0: Time for Re-Engineering Your Finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. It's another edition of the Re-Engineering Your Finances podcast. Walter Schorholt with you alongside Charles Weldy. Are these retirement statistics on today's show encouraging or disturbing? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Charles is the founder and certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout the Delaware and Chester County areas. But, of course, you can hear us from anywhere. Find out more information online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, are you ready for another good show today? Absolutely, Walter. Uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's dive in. So what we've done is we've gathered a couple of updated retirement statistics from across the country. So these are kind of like nationwide stats. So perhaps, you know, if you're listening to us in kind of the, the hometown area of Charles, you know, outside of Philly, over there in Chad's Ford, where the office is, kind of in that region, you know, maybe these numbers would skew a little bit differently regionally. But for the most part, these will paint the picture for us, I think. And I'm curious, Charles, as we, Go through these statistics. Do you generally find these things encouraging, or are these kind of disturbing to you as a financial planner? And also just, you know, are these things reflective of your average client or does your average client maybe have more or less or different exposure to the different things that we're going to cover? And just in general, how you try to improve the retirement preparedness of your clients based off of this kind of information. Because I know you're looking at this kind of stuff all the time to make sure that you are properly planning for your clients as they come through the door. So uh, I'll get start started off with kind of a, uh, a gender comparison. Uh, women have smaller overall retirement savings amounts. They average $57,000 saved for retirement compared to $118,000 for men. Uh, so I guess, first of all, is that a uh, encouraging or disturbing finding in your overall takeaways and how that influences planning?
1: Well, I would say, uh, you know, initially I'm thinking it's disturbing because uh, $57,000 is not going to give you much of anything in terms of retirement income for a woman and 118000 for a man, you know, not much more, uh, even though that amount is, is a little bit more than double. You know, the thing that troubles me here is like, I don't really know the ages of these people, you know, whether they're young and they're still like, uh, you know, building up their retirement nest egg or maybe they're at or near retirement. But uh, you know it's disturbing that, as a general rule, the woman generally have less in their retirement account than the man, and the reason being is you know uh, historically the woman will tend to outlive the man by maybe three to five years. Most some of the most recent studies that I've met. So um, you know maybe to you know to answer the question here in my practice, I mean I kind of deal with people that are at or near retirement, five years, you know from re- the retirement date or already in retirement and what we're finding in our practice is as a general rule maybe the average is a lot higher for a woman well you know what? forget about a woman or a man i'm really looking at single or married If someone single you know somewhere in the area of a half a million dollars seems to be the norm in terms of retirement savings and if people are married somewhere in the area of a million dollars seems to be the the average in terms of a married couple so um you know uh it's very disturbing that you know if these people are at or near retirement they only have Fifty-seven to one hundred and eighteen thousand saved. I mean, uh, unless they're really like eating, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly and tuna, uh, I think they're going to have a, a rough time in retirement.
0: It's a great point. I love how you break that down, like whether you know it's really single versus married, and and you're right. I mean, these again are not specifically um, a certain age groups' savings for retirement. So this is uh, American adults. So you know you've got some folks that are just starting out work, probably skewing this overall number down a little bit, uh, as well as people on the upper end that are skewing the number higher. So interesting to look at that. But it sounds like in general, your clients have more than this saved. But that, um, you know, a good disparity between men and women here is that women are living longer. So it just emphasizes the importance that if you're a couple, that you're planning for that fact. And if you're, you know, you have less saved for retirement, make sure that you're putting together a good plan and start saving more or make sure that you've got the right things pulled together to get you through those later years in your life.
1: I couldn't have said it any better, Walter. Okay, cool.
0: Alright, here's another statistic. In order to have a comfortable retirement, experts estimate you'll need $1.04 million saved, which is a 10% increase from when this number was released in the prior year so we need a little more is what i gather from that and i'm sure you can pick apart such a specific number there charles I'm, I'm, I'm sure that grates against you a little bit right
1: yeah i mean obviously people when they retire most people have an income gap and the income gap walter is defined as hey what's coming in pretty much guaranteed whether it's a pension whether it's a annuity payment whether it's a social security check You know, we got to find out what's coming in, like, guaranteed. And then we have to determine, you know, what are you spending per month, you know, and look at the difference. And obviously, if someone has a nice pension, if someone has a really nice Social Security check, maybe they don't need the million dollars because, you know, their base living expenses are covered by some of this guaranteed income. Uh, So I would say it's disturbing because there might be some people that think, oh, a million dollars, I'm never going to get there, and they kind of give up. Um, what I would say is like, hey, you know, let's kind of guesstimate what your monthly uh, income needs going to be in retirement. And we'll just take an example. Let's just say it's like $8,000 a month. So let's just say, hey, you know, we need $8,000 each and every month to sustain, you know, a retirement that's probably going to last 25, perhaps 30 years. Uh, in order to you know, determine how much money we need, we have to look at our guaranteed income. Let's just say in that example, we need eight maybe like uh, $5,000 is coming in guaranteed. So we're short $3,000 a month. Follow me so far? Following you, yep. All right. So $3,000 a month times 12 months is $36,000 a year. And I like to multiply that by 10 years, $360,000, to really get to a point where, hey, you know what? We're going to need um, you know $360,000 to spend over the next 10 years. How much do we need in capital you know uh, maybe for the next 20 25 years well um, if we need 360 uh, 36 thousand a year I generally divide that by four and a half percent. I don't have a calculator in front of me but let me kind of reach for one as we're talking uh, if I take 36, thousand we, we
0: can we can play the Jeopardy music or something here uh, You know, yeah. da, na, na, All right na, na, so na, na, so
1: basically that's like nine hundred thousand so if somebody had okay. nine hundred thousand dollars, And you multiply that by four and a half percent. Why four and a half percent? I mean, that's a number I like to use when people are generally in their mid to late sixties, early seventies. There's what they call the four percent rule, which says, Hey, you can take out four percent of your, you know, principal balance each and every year with a, um, you know, a a large probability that you're not going to run out of uh, uh, money in retirement. I like to use four and a half because there's strategies that actually can have you pull more. Uh, and maybe make that money last longer. So to answer that question, do you need a million dollars? In that example, somebody only had a uh, $36,000 a year deficit that they had to pull from their investment balances. They would only need 900,000. 900,000 times 4.5% is 36 a year. It's just a general rule, but it's more realistic uh, than saying, hey, you got to have a million dollars before you like, you know, retire because uh, you're going to run out of money if they have anything less. It really depends on your guaranteed income. That being Social Security, maybe annuity income that you might have, uh, you know, marinated for a couple of years. And now you're turning on, or lastly, it could be a pension that you have. And today, most people don't have pensions, so obviously that number could be closer to a million than nine hundred thousand, depending upon the facts and circumstances.
0: Sounds like that one is neither encouraging or disturbing because we really have to look at each situation as it comes across. So. We don't have to, that one doesn't necessarily have to shock us here. It's more about what you individually need to meet in your spending needs in retirement. Good breakdown there, Charles, on that one. All right, uh, here's another one for you. Um, Is it disturbing, encouraging, and your thoughts on this one? 55% of workers plan to continue working in some capacity in retirement. I have to imagine that number is astronomically higher than it used to be, right?
1: It is because people used to retire at 62 and they passed away at 65. Now people are retiring at 62 and they're living like 25, 30 years in retirement. So the fact that 55 percent of workers continue or plan to continue to work in some capacity in retirement isn't really disturbing to me. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if I were to retire tomorrow, my question to myself would be, hey, what am I retiring to? I mean, I enjoy golf, but I'm not going to do it five days a week. Uh, I enjoy uh, traveling, but I'm not going to be doing it like, you know, every other you know month. Uh, so the, the reality of it is, is the question is, what are we retiring to? and a lot of us you know our identity really is based upon what we've done perhaps throughout our career and yeah there are some people that hey you know I don't like my job I can't wait till I retire just you know can't stand get going to work every day i mean i don't know how many what percentage of the people think that way but i would think it's probably half or less than half. And again, I'm just kind of making that number up. I, I kind of think there's a lot of people that enjoy what they do. And uh, the fact that, hey, come retirement, they're going to maybe work part time as a consultant or maybe like enter a, a second career and maybe like teach at a you know local university, whether it's at the um, you know collegiate level or high school level. Uh, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's actually um, encouraging that people are planning to continue to work uh, in some capacity in retirement, because, hey, it took them 25, 30 years to figure everything out. There's loads of wisdom between those two ears. And if they can, you know, have a venue where they can share that wisdom and knowledge with uh, maybe the younger crowd, I think the retirement would be a lot better.
0: Great points all around there, Charles. If you've got any questions about some of the stats that we talk about on today's show and want to see how they impact you specifically, remember you can get a customized and complimentary review of your finances and your financial and retirement plan by calling Charles at 610-388-7705, 610-388-7705, or online at cpweldygroup.com. Check the show description for that contact information as well. 25% 25% of Americans, so a quarter, a quarter of Americans, increased their financial savings as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you find that encouraging or disturbing, Charles?
1: I think it's encouraging and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even my own business here in Chad's Ford, I mean, um, you know, maybe the revenues were pretty much the same or grew a little bit. But what we noticed during the pandemic, Walter, was our expenses decreased like almost exponentially. I mean, I used to do a lot of traveling, obviously, with the COVID-19, the travel was restricted. Uh, we used to go out, you know, and entertain clients a lot, you know, at restaurants. And, you know, a lot of the restaurants were either closed or, you know, they had, you know, certain parameters that you had to follow through to you know, get in the door. So, uh, you know, the fact that most people like not most, but 25 percent of the Americans increased their financial savings as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic does not surprise me at all. Um, And actually the government, you know, uh, I don't want to get too political, but I don't mind the government helping people out, businesses and individuals with these like rebate checks that they've given pretty much just about everyone. But I think they did it a year too long. Um, You know, they could have gotten people back to work a little bit earlier. uh, But what they did is they kind of procrastinated and gave people a little extra money. Maybe uh, I think it was like, economic income payment number three, instead of just one and two, they, they, they kind of like stretch it out for another half year. And uh, I think it caused people to uh, be a little flush in cash. And uh, that might be some of the reason why we have uh, the inflation we have today. Uh, the last thing I've read was like, the average inflation rate is north of 8%. And historically, it's been uh, around three, treadline three percent. So, you know, the fact that people are saving more, they have to save more in order to, like, keep abreast with inflation.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see the uh, impact of all of that now playing out sort of in real time in front of us. And uh, nonetheless, a bit encouraging that uh, financial savings and retirement savings, hopefully as part of that, increased from the pandemic. we got to look for silver linings of this past two years wherever we can, right? So there's (laughs) no doubt. Absolutely. Is this encouraging or disturbing? The number of retired workers receiving Social Security benefits was almost 70 million in 2021, up from, get this, 45 million just two years ago or two years before in 2019. So, whoa, 2021 had a huge number of folks drawing on Social Security compared to just two years older. And I guess that's the the hello baby boomers, right?
1: Exactly. On the surface, it sounds disturbing. But obviously, you know, if you look at the birth rates, you know, all the baby boomers from 1946 through 1964, they're at or getting ready to retire. So every day there's 10,000 people that are actually like retiring, you know, based upon the the most recent consensus that I've read. So, um, I mean, you know, obviously there's more money going out in social security checks. But the reality of it is, I kind of think it's an easy fix, and here's what I say: it's an easy fix. I mean, I guess an early retirement age today is 62. They can easily raise it to 64, 65. I mean, that'll solve some of the issues. I guess the uh, that's the early retirement age, 62. The normal retirement age might be somewhere around 67. They could raise that to 68, you know, even 70. I mean, people are living you know, well into their 90s today. And then um, so th- and they can always and they always do the increase the Social Security wage tax base. So there's ways of actually funding, you know, the Social Security deficit, so to speak, with current contributions from people that are still working. My only concern, you know, I guess it would be disturbing, is if I'm under age 55, all right, and I just use that as a a line of demarcation. I think people 55 and older are probably going to be grandfathered into the current social security system only because uh, they paid into it for, you know, such a long time, 30 years, and it would be a travesty to kind of change the rules in the middle of the game. But if you're under age 55, I have no, um, reservations that, you know, the, the government will consider perhaps uh, allowing half of your Social Security to remain as is, and maybe the other half going into a side account that you control for your uh, personal retirement uh, benefit. So it might be disturbing in the sense that, you know, some people aren't habitual savers and, you know, they might end up shortchanged if they're under 55 but by and large, the fact that um, 70 billion people are, you know, taking Social Security benefits, you know, as of county year 2021, it's not really disturbing. It's really reality. And I think that number is going to grow in future years. But, you know, the encouraging news is that there's ways to fund Social Security with additional payroll taxes, shifting the age, you know, that you're eligible to get Social Security. Um, so I kind of, you know, I'm kind of neutral on that. Um, you know, we made our bed and we're going to sleep in it. And if you're 55 and older, I think you get to sleep in the bed that you made initially. Uh, Anybody under 55, there are probably going to be some changes. And for some people, it'll be beneficial. For other people, it may not be.
0: Good points, Charles, all across the board there. Let's end with this one. Uh, Retirees in 2020 spent an average of $6,668. So we'll call it almost $7,000. On healthcare. So the average retiree is spending almost seven thousand dollars a year based on these twenty twenty numbers on healthcare. How does that strike you?
1: I guess I'm biased when it comes to healthcare. And the reason being is I pretty much, Walter, been self-employed all my life. So in order to open the doors, you know, round numbers, it was maybe twelve hundred dollars per employee and you know, myself and my spouse. So if, if I had three employees and then I had myself and my wife, that's five times twelve, six thousand a month in uh, health care premiums just to open the door before we pay the rent. So when I hear, hey, you know, uh, the average retiree spending 600 a month, I don't really have an issue with that. I know that there's a lot of people that, you know, throughout their career, they work for an employer, the employer handled that healthcare. They the employee really didn't realize how much it really cost on a monthly basis. And it probably was, you know, the same that I was paying, but it was a, a tax free benefit for them. And now that they're retired or of Medicare age, having to spend $600 a month, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. What I really find is that um, you know most people who plan properly, when they reach retirement age, they no longer have a mortgage. So perhaps some of the money that was earmarked t- towards paying down their mortgage now is allocated or reallocated to health care premiums or health care costs. So um, again, you know, not encouraging or discouraging. I think uh, it's reality. And, um, if truth be told, I think those prices are going to go up. Those costs are going to go up, uh, more than the treadline inflation rate of 3% because healthcare generally goes up twice the uh, average inflation rate. So as we do plans for clients, we generally use a 6% inflation rate for healthcare expenses. And I think uh, that's probably going to be the new norm.
0: Good points there, Charles. Thank you for that perspective. And thank you to everybody for listening to the show today. Again, if any questions come to mind as we cover these different statistics, please reach out. Again, you can reach Charles at 610-388-7705 or online at cpweldygroup.com. And check the description of today's show for more contact information. Remember that Charles specializes in creating tax-efficient retirement plans, and if you need help planning for your retirement and want to do it in a way that's tax efficient and catered and customized to your needs, uh, look no further. Charles can help you with that office right there in Chad's Ford, PA. Charles, thank you for the help and uh, your perspective on these national statistics. And we'll look forward to another episode with you soon. Thank you, Walter. All right. We appreciate it. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Shortholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances.